and my fellow Pennsylvanians. This state's electoral votes are key to who wins the presidency, and both of the candidates know it. We win Pennsylvania, we win the whole deal, you know that. Just like last night. But states like Pennsylvania are going to be incredibly important. The only thing left on the board is Pennsylvania. The president cannot get to the finish line without the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. One state all four candidates are visiting today is Pennsylvania. Its 20 electoral votes are highly coveted, and the Keystone State could end up being one of the determining factors in the race. Jill's a Philly girl, but I'm a screen girl. Okay, folks, we are back. It's a new year and it's time for new episodes. In 2022, you helped this show grow significantly with thousands of listeners, not just across PA, but in DC, New York, and beyond. We're going to begin this new season exploring the Philadelphia mayor's race. As you know, this is the largest city in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and Mayor Jim Kenney is term limited. Now, this open contest has also led to several vacancies in city council. This season, we'll explore those a bit too. There are loads of candidates running, and if history's a guide, the victor of the Democratic primary in May will go on to win in November. So we're going to explore all these dynamics hearing from diverse perspectives across the city. Today, State Rep. Jared Salmon joins us. He represents neat neighborhoods around Cotman and the Boulevard, and to get specific, these are parts of the 41st, the 62nd, and the 64th wards. Now, he's not made an endorsement in the race, but he has a lot to say about issues of concern to his constituents. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I'm also looking forward to hearing more about his work to bump up the date of the presidential primary next year. State Representative Jared Salmon, Fly Eagles Fly, welcome to my kitchen table. Hey Ari, how you doing? I could do an Eagles chair if you want, but... There'll be a time and a place for that, and I feel okay. like uh, for 72 hours straight up to the big day, we uh, <laughs> we should save it. So we're going we're gonna to cover a lot of ground as we launch this new season, uh, as we're focused intensively on... Um, Pennsylvania's largest city and the open mayor's race. But I want to go back because past tends to be prologue and take a look at what happened in November of uh, 2022, where statewide turnout was up significantly, 5.3 million voters to 5 million voters in 2018. But Philadelphia turnout, let's be honest, was abysmal. It was only 487,000, which is significantly less than uh, the 2018 turnout. So anyway, I mean, to the extent you want to relive 2022, you know, what was going on from your vantage point of Northeast Philly and then statewide? Sure. And it's actually part of a larger trend that we've seen in the last few cycles of turnout in Philadelphia being lower. The Northeast uh, has sort of always been this sleeping giant, that largest landmass, largest tax base in the city, population center, but we don't go out and vote. And I would take it back, Ari, to a lack of hope and optimism about the future of our city and about folks in government, me included, delivering on the tangible things that they want government to deliver on. So on the quality of life issues that people in the Northeast are so focused on, picking up the trash, uh, uh, removing abandoned cars, making sure that communities are safe and secure, of course, by reducing gun violence, making business corridors work, all of the things that people see, feel about their neighborhoods. That's what people want to see. And year after year, when those issues do not get addressed, but the tax bill continues to click up and up and up, people begin to wonder what they're really getting by coming out 
and voting and not seeing those deliverables after the election. So we have, we should probably take a step back. We have listeners all across Pennsylvania and then increasingly in Washington and New York. For Washington listeners, this is where Congressman Brendan Boyle hails from. For New York listeners, perhaps it's a wrong comparison, but it's an outer borough. Uh, but give, give folks a sense of your background and then when we refer to Northeast Philly, uh, what, what we're talking about, not just geographically, but kind of the ethos. Yeah, sure. So Northeast Philadelphia is where I grew up. A single uh, mom raised me above my great-grandparents' butcher shop, went on to Swarthmore College, Villanova Law, practiced securities and antitrust, went in the Army Reserves as a JAG officer, ran against then the longest-serving member of the Pennsylvania legislature. He had been there for when I defeated him for 42 years, and then had focused in the legislature on trying to bring some good bipartisan work in Harrisburg that always has an eye towards what folks are doing, sort of trying to get legislation from what I'm hearing, what bubbles up from the ground in Northeast Philadelphia, and then being very focused on business card development in Northeast. Why? Because I believe that if you look at Northeast Northeast Philly overall, we've been a part of our city, Ari, that typically gets neglected. We're not connected really well to the rest of the city. So Northeast, while being the highest, densest population center of the area and the most diverse area of the city, and where almost everyone's aunt is from or grandmother is from, We don't get the access to city services that we all think we deserve. When I was growing up, my grandfather used to say to me, I don't understand why I have to go to Center City for everything. I don't understand why I have to, you know, drive 40, 45 minutes. My grandfather's approach and kind of feeling about government, I think, has lasted over the years where there's this sense of we are part of the city. We're an essential component of the city. We're an economic driver to the city. So why don't we get the services that other parts of the city do and expect? Why, when we clamor for activity, do we sort of get shut out and left behind? So I've been trying to sort of drive that message, both in my work in Harrisburg and, of course, in and around Northeast Philadelphia, to make sure that we get the services that we need. Let me ask you a uh... Once again, I don't want to relitigate past elections, but the Trump-Pence ticket did quite well, I think, historic for a Republican in modern times in um, uh, several wards in Northeast Philly. And then Dr. Oz also won two of the wards adjacent to uh, the district you represent, which I think surprised folks, I mean, because Philadelphia is seen as a largely deep, deep blue town. But you can speak to that. Yeah. So when I was campaigning in the, the Trump election in 2016, uh, I remember a, a long time serving committee person. I knocked on their door and on their uh, behind us was a picture of FDR. Uh, they had been a, a member of the Democratic Party for their whole life. They, they, they still supported Democrats, both locally uh, and statewide. And this gentleman said to me in, in, in his kitchen that, He's never voted for a Republican in his life, but he was going to support President Trump. Now, the reason that he was going to, I think it's 
similar throughout many parts of the Northeast is that there was a sense that Trump represented the non-politician politician. He was going to break them all. He was going to break through the logjam that no one else uh, had been breaking, uh, been able to break through. He was going to really be able to do the work that uh, other politicians were not able to do. And I think that the message that was sent is one that people still hold on to. Of course, Trump wasn't able to deliver on, on any of those fronts. But the constant call out calling for a different approach, a different way, I think is a common thread throughout Northeast Philadelphia. Okay, so with that background, let's get out the crystal ball. And I want to spend a good chunk of time talking about uh, the lead up to the May primary. And uh, historically, the May primary is going to determine who's going to be the next mayor for uh, uh, four years and perhaps eight years Historically, also, my recollection is that Mayor Kenny in his primary only got about 13%, Mayor Nutter only about 11%. So it's a big field. It's going to be split up many different ways, I imagine, when the final tally comes in. But he or she is going to have enormous responsibility over the next four years. So what are you hearing? What do you think needs to be addressed and the candidates maybe aren't talking about? We have a lot of candidates historically that have listened to this show. So let's... uh, Let's walk it out, Jared, about uh, what's going on up in the fighting 202nd legislative district and how that translates to the next mayor. When I go to any of my when I do a town hall, people talk about trash and then they come back with another question about trash and then they'll throw in another question about why the trash isn't being picked up on their corridors and in their communities. And that's where it's at. People in the Northeast are hyper-focused on quality of life issues. And I would say many in the city are, but I hear it, feel it, uh, sense it more in the Northeast than other parts of the city for many of the reasons that I talked about. So the candidate that embraces that call to delivering services, I guess just a call to competency, to be able to assure people that they have the ability to relentlessly knock through the bureaucracy and deliver on key services, make L&I work, make the streets department work. When you hear so far, there's been great ability of many of the candidates to identify problems. We have rising gun violence. We have a city that lacks other cities when it talks about a grand vision for coming out of the pandemic and reworking and re-envisioning who we are as a city. Great problem identification. But what I'm not hearing yet, some, some candidates are doing this, but what I'm not hearing is really a call for a revolution in our city. It's not just that we need tinkering with L and I. We need a complete sea change in L and I from the pay structure, to the employees, to the pens and papers that that are used in the department. It's got to be a true call to change everything top to bottom. Just, I'm not uh, hearing sorry, that my, yet. My listeners, when, when you're referring to L&I, what, what, what are they doing or what should they be doing at a city hall? So if you came into my office, you would get every single day 
many, many calls about problem properties. And when I say problem properties, I'm talking about wayward landlords. I'm talking about illegal businesses that are operating all throughout Northeast Philadelphia. I'm talking about boarded homes that are not going, getting addressed. I'm talking about hoarding situations that literally neighbors have been living with for two to three years. Now, imagine if every day you come home from a hard day's work and you literally have a yard sale going on uh, on your block every single day. You live it, you breathe it, your kids have to take it in on their way to school. And when you pick up that phone and you ask for help, you don't feel like you have a partner. The phone's not getting answered. The inspector isn't coming out. The issue goes day to day, week to week, year to year, unresolved. There's a sense of hopelessness where, yes, there's an issue. The whole block knows that it, it, it's an issue, but you don't have a working partner that can work with you to address it. That has to change. And the mayor who taps into that frustration and anxiety, I think is going to be our next mayor. You mentioned two to three years. And then also with uh, what you mentioned with trash, is this something that you think uh, because of the pandemic that all of a sudden in March 2020, remote workers concerns, uh, very valid concerns about public health? Or was this something you've seen for the last decade? Or is this something... Uh, related to the current administration, uh, and we'll just just give folks a sense of the timeline of this. It sure, sounds like I, it's gotten I, progressively I, worse. There's no question that the pandemic heightened a lot of these issues. Um, what I found, so I, I got on a trash truck, you know, the and spent the day with our sanitation workers throwing trash. They needed help in the Northeast, and I called the commissioner, and I actually saw. Day to day. And in about two to three minutes, the guys on the truck were giving me some of the solutions that the, the, their superiors were not addressing. See, what I see, and it's the same rank and file, the, the, work, the workers are well-intentioned, you know, hard-driving folks. They're just trying to do the right thing, but they're stuck in a system that is broken. And if you look at the our inability to collect trash. If that was all, Ari, we were talking about during the pandemic, okay, that, that would be something we could manage. But many people were at home during the pandemic because they weren't able to go to work if they had the luxury of staying home. So now they're at home. They're smelling the trash outside. What, of course, you, 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 that happens, and now you have a rodent issue that is plaguing our city. And for the whole city of Philadelphia, we have, I think it's four, four people that are trying to combat the rodent issue, the rat issue throughout the city. So now we have rats on the block. Trash continues to pile up. Well, also when you're home, now you're starting to look in and around your neighbor neighborhood and you, you see people with high weeds. You see people that have a mattress on their front property. Well, you now get really upset because you're, you're seeing this every day. I feel like, you know, in a lot of ways, the pandemic, while it turned us inward, it also turned our focus to our neighbors, to our left and right, because we were seeing this every single day in our community. 
And so now you're really getting an, a, a, a very, very clear look at government services because you're reaching out to CLIP and Streets and L&I and Vector Control, and you don't feel like you're supported. So there was just all of these issues, and I understand, compounded by the pandemic, but that was building all this frustration about how our city is run. This is excellent perspective. You know, just curious, I mean, uh, have there been candidate events or candidates doing the kind of handshaking up and down these business corridors? Or, I mean, uh, I, I hope candidates are regularly coming to the Northeast, uh, but give, give listeners a sense. I mean, has there been a candidate forum, for example, just focused on these issues or focused on, on Northeast uh, Philadelphia in particular? I'm genuinely curious. My late grandmother uh, is from Northeast Philly, so. See, every everyone has a grandmother, aunt, someone that's from Northeast Philadelphia. I think it's a it's a scientific fact. And if you if you look at candidates and the relationship with the Northeast, we are getting people coming to the Northeast. We're going to have a forum hosted by the Northeast Chamber of Commerce, which is going to, I think, address a lot of these issues. But I think one of the things that that candidates typically take for granted is they see turnout lower in Northeast Philadelphia, even though we have the population base, but a lot of times our voters don't turn, turn out in big numbers. And so they focus efforts on South Philadelphia, West Philadelphia, Center City. What I would say is that if a, if a candidate has the message that will resonate with residents of the Northeast, I think the voters will turn out. I just don't think we've had that candidate who really tapped into the energy and passion of Northeast Philadelphia. But I'm hopeful that it'll happen this time. All right, I've got one more question, and then I want to uh, pivot to Harrisburg. You've done an incredible job engaging some of these diaspora communities that have made Northeast Philadelphia home. And it's just incredible to me, the diversity. And if we were to go into one of the two public high schools up there, I mean, there's probably 40 plus languages being spoken around the kitchen table at at their homes. So if you can speak to how these, uh, I think the Democratic State Party uses the term new Americans, how how you've seen them getting involved in the political process and how they're part of the fabric of, uh, of your district and the greater community. It's very nice you say, and it's the most exciting part about my community, the most diverse in the whole Commonwealth. So I've been trying to be very intentional about it. And just one example, when I was first elected in 17, people said, Haitian community, Brazilian community, Chinese community, look, we don't have a community center. So we have a lot of interesting things going on, but we'd like to call place home. So I've been working to identify that center. And we have. So in March, we will open up, well, what was a vacant building and we, 5,000 square feet, and we're turning it into that community center. So it's going to have my office as well as five other partners, actually more, I think a total of eight partners serving the community from immigration services to housing, to addressing food insecurity, mental health, entrepreneurship uh, development, all under one roof. And in the front of that space, we're going to have community space. So the Brazilian community wants to have a meeting, boom, it's there. Same thing with the Haitian community. 
what my grandfather said has always stayed with me, right? Why do I have to travel to all these other places to get services? You won't, you will not anymore. And that vision is not just going to be for longtime residents of the Northeast. That space is going to be open and, and, and we want everyone to call that space home. And we're very excited about it, but it, it took a long time to get there. And it, it really required bringing a lot of partners around the table to make sure we got this done. That's exciting news. Congratulations uh, in advance. Uh, so just one other question on that. I mean, if you, in these communities, which you know might only be several hundred votes here, several hundred votes there, um, do you get the sense that mayoral candidates are speaking to them and putting together kind of a diverse patchwork coalition of hyphenated diaspora communities, or are they feeling kind of marginalized in this mayor's race? And for that matter, we have all these these city council races. I would say just here and there, I think that candidates will believe a lot of times think, well, because there's a language barrier that it, the kind of the, 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 the ability to engage is too great. It will take too long. I've actually found just the opposite. If you are able to find the sort of centers of gravity and community at local churches, at restaurants, and you can identify community leaders and articulate why your vision will work for the region as a whole, in particular their, their community, those leaders will help you do the spade work with translating, with voter registration, with driving people to the polls. You just need to put a little time on the front end and identify not where you want voters to be, but where those voters are convening. And so when you do that, you really can get an entry into communities that many would think are not real strong participants in the democratic process. I found the opposite. That's good, inspiring and sage advice uh, also. For 2024. So we could probably spend the next 30 minutes talking about the saga that has been uh, the General Assembly. We won't. But, you know, you have been championing, uh, really spearheading a bipartisan initiative uh, related to 2024 and our primary in Pennsylvania. And I think it'd be good to provide listeners some perspective on that. Too many folks in Washington are already counting down the days. And we're hearing that Nikki Haley's getting into the race uh, against President Trump. So, you know, it's upon us. I want to move the primary because I, I, I want to make the primary, the election process as open, as accessible as possible. So the more we can focus on Pennsylvania, just Pennsylvania, and the more candidates are here for a one week, maybe could stretch a two week period, the more that our issues uh, will be brought up with those potential candidates. That's the goal. The larger goal, though, Ari, is accessibility. Any way that we can engage people in the process, whether it is open primaries, moving the primary, changing the time period when we're allowed to open and count ballots, early voting, same-day voter registration. This is a package deal, and we need to just do everything possible to increase our numbers, to come back to where we started, Ari. If the problem is constant lack of voter engagement turnout in Philadelphia, we need to, as, a, as elected officials, as leaders, constantly counterpunch against that 
with making the voting process more and more accessible. And hopefully by doing that, we will begin to see those numbers change. Well, that is a super positive note to end on. Hopefully an equally positive note. One final question. Where are you going to be uh, while watching the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl and any predictions on the final score? We will win. I So I'm going to be with my daughter because Charlotte, uh, my, my, we had our first child, seven months old. And soon after she was born, Charlotte was the Phillies good luck charm, but she came up short in the World Series against the Astros. She will deliver for the Eagles and the Super Bowl. We will win. And uh, I will be watching with Charlotte and my wife. Here, here. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much. And I really appreciate, as we say in our faith, uh, going from strength to strength. Thank you, Ari. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Pennsylvania Kitchen Table Politics. Take a minute and leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform. Please also consider following us on social media for updates and announcements regarding future episodes and new guests. You're political, so I am sure that you're on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram. We are too at PA Political Podcast. Visit our website, papoliticalpodcast.org, and send us your feedback about this episode and suggestions on future guests. Until next week. Thank you.